Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Excited to have you again for another day where we get to pick the brains this time of an actual professional, a doctor who is practicing in her practice and uh, has been really changing up the way that I think we should think about uh, the way that we look at dentistry, even orthodontics, any type of oral health care. And as you know, on this show, we're always trying to give you the best practices possible for all of you to take notes, to find new tips and tricks for your practice and how you can run it a little differently. And today is no exception. So thank you so much for being here. And always remember to subscribe to the channel as well as let your friends and colleagues know about it because that's the way that we grow this channel. We are creeping up on our 100th episode, which you will not want to miss. And I'm glad that we're getting that much closer to it. And it's all because of you, of you, the listeners and the watchers on the YouTube channel for being here. So thank you so much for being here. Everybody, today on our podcast, we are blessed to have Dr. Bernice Teplitsky, who is here to talk to us about holistic dentistry and how she started, got into this practice and why we need to pay a little more attention to it. Now, those of you that have listened to this show for a while know that my wife and I, we are into holistic medicines. We enjoy using uh, chiropractic and alternative doctors, if you will. And so this is going to be a really cool episode for us. So welcome to the show, Bernice. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here and to talk about this because it's something that I think, and you can speak way more to this, when people first hear about it, especially maybe even sometimes people in your own industry, they have certain uh, ideas about it and maybe preconceived notions about it. And I'm excited to dive into the conversation with you. And you're calling, you're out, out of Chicago, right? Yep, in Chicago. And have you practiced there for how long? Uh, I graduated in 2009 um, oh. and it's from Marquette. It's in Milwaukee and uh-huh. did a residency shortly after 2010, nine to 10. I did a, a, a GPR to general practice residency program uh, at Illinois Masonic through the hospital. And uh, so I've been in Chicago ever since I graduated. Wow. That's awesome. Are you a native Chicagoan, Chicagoan, Chicagoan? What's it, what's it? Uh, yes, I am. I, I, I don't know what you call them. A Chicagoan. Chicagoan. I'm right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I want to make sure it sounded yeah. right. My, I was, I was born in Chicago, raised in the suburbs. Uh, I, I lived uh, most of my adult life in Chicago besides going to school. Um, my parents are from the former Soviet Union. So I'm a first generation American. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And I have a little bit of uh, both cultures. Well, I read that on your bio that you're fluent both in Russian, obviously from yep. your parents, and yep. Spanish. Those are yep. kind of two opposite I sides. I think it's really them. needed, in, especially awesome. in Chicago, in the U.S. It's, you know, I, I, I speak Spanish to my patients all the time and Russian to my patients all the time. So the more languages that we know, the better. We can only help I more know. people. I kick myself. I wish, I like, I speak Japanese, but it doesn't really do me that well. Oh, wow. I mean, it doesn't do that good. I don't run into a lot of people who need to learn, uh, need to speak Japanese back to me, unless I'm at Disneyland. I'm like, hey, can I take your picture? And hey, (laughs) well, before we get into more of this topic, let's uh, learn a little bit more about you on this show. We always say that stories connect all of us. So tell us your story. How did you get into dentistry? Why did you decide to jump into that field and what you're doing now? All right. Um, Well, I I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. And so um, since I was was little, I always wanted to be 
some type of healthcare professional. Uh, when I was 16, I was looking for a job and my mom said, well, if you want to be a doctor, why don't you go work for one? And I not really even sure how I, I came across this, but I, I found a position as a dental assistant uh, mm-hmm. at 16. I'm not really sure why he even hired wow. me, but I was hired by a, a dentist who trained me. And I just, I fell in love with the profession. I really love the way that um, the dentist would connect with the people. They would see the, the parents and the kids would come in and then the grandparents would come in. So you have the whole generation of the whole family coming in and generation after generation, you can actually see health evolve. You can actually see the patterns of um, just, just things that are passed down from generation to generation. And that really, that, that's what really drove me into the profession is you don't, you're not, you spend more time with the patient than a medical doctor would. Um, and I, I really liked so many different aspects about it. So I, from 16, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And so I pursued, pursued dentistry. So I went to dental school, uh, did my GPR, which is a, a residency program, which I got so much great information from. Uh, that was during my residency program when I realized that I was in the middle of a surgery and I was cutting someone open, suturing them up. And towards the end of it, I looked at, at the patient and looked at what my creation was. And I was like, this stinks. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to be doing this. Like, it was fun. I, I like surgery. I, I like doing the procedure, but I, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way than like slicing people open, suturing them up for, and I just, I just felt that there should be something more. Like, I don't want to cut into tooth structure when we're doing a crown, we cut so much of the tooth away and to, to get to unhealthy tooth, we have to cut so much of the healthy, healthy tooth. tooth. Yeah. And so I was always questioning. I was always questioning, like, why do we have to do this? Is there, is there a more conservative way to do this? Is there a different way that we can do this? And I just started searching. So I, I, I didn't know what I was searching for at the time. Um, and Google wasn't as, uh, I mean, there was, there was Google, but there wasn't, it wasn't as uh, vast as it is now, but I would, yeah, I, I would search like, is there something as nutritional dentistry? Cause I was, I was always interested in nutrition ever since I was eight, nine years old uh, from a really young age. Cause I was a competitive athlete and I've always really looked into nutrition and how I can maximize my body, my strength, my you know, performance. And um, from nutrition, I was looking at like, is there some thing as nutritional dentistry? Is there conservative dentistry? Is there, I, I didn't know what to even search. And I wow. landed on homeopathy in dentistry. I took a course in homeopathy and dentistry. I met a few people who've been practicing holistic dentistry. Um, they're called holistic dentists or biological dentists. Um, integrative dentists, but I, I met this group of people that had this course and that just opened up my world. It, I drank their Kool-Aid and I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole and they taught me so many things about holistic dentistry. And so I started to, um, to register for different courses and, and different associations and being involved in um, just everything that I can get my hands on. I was really eager to learn. I was just a few years out of school. Um, I had time. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids at the time. So I, I had, I had the time and the, and the energy and the thirst for knowledge. And so I just did everything I could to learn more about this because it, it's something that is not even mentioned in, in um, dental school. 
uh, you have to really seek out courses uh, and they're separate courses for everything. So I, I learned about uh, how mercury amalgams are not safe for us. And that's something that they're not even teaching that in dental school, how a root canal can affect the overall systemic health, how um, airway and breathing is very important and how when, when orthodontists can take out teeth and move things backwards, that can actually impede the airway and, and, and hurt us in, in a way. Um, there's just so many things that I learned that um, now I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm growing with that, but I, I know that there's even so much more to learn from that. So, so were you, were you learning goal. that, were you getting into that while you were still in, in dental school? No. Like, so it wasn't simultaneous. It was after you got out and after you're going through the residency part, then you're like, I, there's gotta be something more. And that it was, was where towards you- the end of my residency. So I was, I was pretty much graduated residency. And then I, I learned about all this stuff. And I, the first, um, I worked at several different practices. And at one of the practices that I stayed at for about two years as an associate, I started implementing my holistic methods there. And so I, the first thing I did was starting protect, started protecting myself for mercury removal because I've measured my own mercury levels and mm-hmm. saw that I was, you know, through the roof. I actually got a call from the owner of the company who does all these testing and says, I don't know what you're doing, but you got to protect yourself. You're the way that you're going, you know, you're, you're not going to survive much longer, especially in this profession. If you don't at least start protecting yourself, start detoxing, start removing your own silver fillings um, and protect your patients. And so I slowly started learning about that. I went to go visit every holistic dentist that I could. I just would call people up in my neighborhood. I would go to CE in different cities in different countries. And I would call them up and say, Hey, I'm visiting for a little bit. Can I, can I see what you do? Can I visit your office? And I would just see how everybody practices because everybody practices differently. And so I would just learn from them, learn from different techniques, different technologies they used. Oh, that's really cool. Where do I get that? What course do I take from that? And hey. since then it's, it's, I mean, I just call it a rabbit hole because it's there's it's, it keeps going yeah. deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's, it's also, I think it's, it's just so deep. Well, I think what I talk about a lot is how, uh, you know, if you want to get excellent at something, if you really want to master excellence is you've got to always be learning, right? You never get to the end of excellence. There's no winner of excellence, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, you're always learning and growing uh, based upon that. So let me ask you this, like, what were, did you have to unlearn something or anything from school versus actually going out and being in the real world? Because I think everything in life, like one of the things that I talk about a, a lot is around, obviously they don't teach you almost anything about being a business owner in school, right? Here you go through all the school and you're, Hey, go enjoy being a business owner and entrepreneur, if you will. And there's really no support for that. I got to imagine too, that there are certain things that you had to unlearn and, mm-hmm. and, and change a little bit of your thinking in order to embrace what you've been learning. Absolutely. Yeah. What were, give me an example of something that, like that. Um, I mean, the, the two examples that I, that I mentioned a little mercury. bit is the, the, the mercury issue, because in uh-huh. school, they're saying that mercury is totally fine. It's totally safe. You can place them, you know, on anyone. But even if you read the sheet, the MSDS, the material safety data sheet that the mercury capsules actually come in, they even say, do not use in children under six. And uh-huh. we're placing them at, in residency. We're placing them in, uh, in dental school. They didn't, they didn't 
say anything about a contraindication, but the actual sheet, the actual instruction sheet, if you will, says not to use them. And there are countries like Denmark, Norway, Sweden, they already banned it in their country. Oh, wow. And so there's, there, if certain countries are taking steps saying this is not good for us, there's so much literature out there saying how um, people can get toxic from it, people can get all sorts of symptoms from it. And in, in dental school, we're taught that it's totally fine because it's, you know, the literature, you know, the older literature still supports it. So until proven otherwise, we're going to still support it. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that, that are taught that, you know, if a, if a cavity is very big and it's about to hit the nerve, might as well just do a root canal. Um, but I'm of the philosophy of if there's any chance to save the tooth, if there's a 2% chance that we can go in remove all the decay, put in a, a filling to, you know, coat the nerve. We use ozone in our office and that's antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, antiparasitic. And even, even if we expose the nerve, we douse it in ozone and we do, you know, put everything that we in, but whether we can into this tooth. And a lot of times it survives. And we're taught by conventional dentistry that no, just it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a goner. It's going to, you know, go anyway. So might as well just do a root canal. And I, it almost, like it the, almost seems like I want to dig more into that, but it almost seems like that philosophy is really, you're going above and beyond just what's easy to do. Right. It's obviously, and, and listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a dentist or orthodontist, but to be able to look at this and go, huh, what's the easiest thing to do? Is it easier to just pull the tooth and, and do the root canal or to actually try to work with it and see if there's a way that we can save the tooth without having to go through all of that. Yes. Holistic dentistry is not the easy way out by far, because we mm. look at the entire person, the um, people cringe at like in, in traditional dentistry about the word holistic. They think it's kind of like a, a foo-foo dentistry. There's no magic potions. We do have patients that come in. They're saying, you know, I have a tooth. Can you fix it? And some teeth you, you, you can't fix. I can't fix your child's teeth if there's huge holes in it. Like I can't, I don't have magic fairy dust. I can't, there's, there's, there's a limitation to what we can do, but it, there, it goes so much more uh, like further into your systemic health because we connect that with there, there's no one-stop shop for any patient for, for there's no one thing that we do for everyone because we have to compare what is your medical history? What is your immune system like? Well, what is your family history like? What are you like as a person and what's your philosophy? Because something for one person, somebody's immune system can handle a certain material, can handle a certain procedure, or whereas another person, you know, they're already immune compromised and we have to treat them a little differently. And we have that conversation. So our appointments are a little bit longer and we have to sit down and figure out what's the best course of action for that specific person. So, so why is it do you think that, I mean, here, really, when we look at medicine in general, we're so, my assumption is that we're always trying to, we're scientists, right? We're trying to figure out what, what's the hypothesis? Can we try that? You know, can we uh, see if it's actually holds up or not? Like we're always learning. We're always trying to grow. Why do you think there is a bit of a stigma around uh, the word holistic or integrated when it comes to dentistry? I actually think it's getting a little more recognized in the medical industry, like with the, you know, a typical medical surgeon, stuff like that. We hear about hypnosis. We hear about different ways to use more of a um, natural medicines using natural past stuff like that. It's getting a little bit more integrated. Why is it not so much in dentistry? That's a good question. I think that 
it might be like a herd mentality that this is what we're taught in school. So we shouldn't deviate because this is what the norm is. The largest dental association is American Dental Association. And this is what they say. This is what they support. And if we're going against that, we're going against, you know, the philosophy of dentistry in general. Right. But, you know, there's other literature that supports otherwise. If we look at different countries, if we look, look at Europe, they're, they're, it's different. Dentistry is different. And they're actually healing people. There, there's no other profession that puts foreign objects into the body and thinks it's okay and nothing else is going to react. Dentistry is the only profession. We're surgeons. We, wow. we don't think of it this way, but a tooth is, a, is an organ. It's its own organ system. It has lymphatic drainage. It has a blood supply. It has a nerve supply. Each tooth is its own living organ. And we open it up. We put something foreign inside there. And we think that the body is not going to react. We're magically going to feel good. And the system won't have any reactions. And some people don't. Some people don't have any reactions. Some people do very well with almost any material. But some people don't. Hmm. And general dentistry treats everybody as if everybody's the same. You're going to give everybody peanut butter and everyone's going to react the same. No reaction. But that's not true. Some people do react to metals. There is yeah. a certain population that reacts to nickel or titanium or, you know, a, a single amalgam filling has eight different metals in there. A filling has several different components in there. A cement has, there's a, there, every material that we use in dentistry, mm -hmm. some people can react to methacrylates. Some people can react to different types of porcelain materials or different bonding agents or different, just any material. It could be safe for one person, but not for the other. And so we like to do biocompatibility testing to see is does this specific person, can their body tolerate this material or do we have to go to a different material? That's what I was going to ask you about is how do you know, like there's obviously such a huge spectrum of uh, people who are sensitive to one thing versus another, like that you actually go in there and you actually do a testing first before you start putting things into their body. For some people that we almost need to because we have patients who come in and they're sensitive to tomatoes and avocados and lettuce and they can only eat four foods. And so wow. if we put, if we treat them as if they're, they can tolerate any material, then we're doing them a disservice. Yeah. Wow, Everyone should be treated. Well, not everybody because certain people's immune systems are so strong. They can handle almost anything versus others are, are a little bit weaker and they just need a little bit more TLC. Wow, that's very, it, it really makes it super specialized. How prevalent has this practice gotten over the years? You've been practicing now for a little over 10 years when you got out 2010 is when you got out of school. Like how prevalent is the growth of this and more people maybe being, being, becoming more aware of it? Not just doctors, but also patients. Definitely more aware. So I bought my practice uh, in 2012 and I, I bought it from a dentist who was, he was a, 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 he was a great guy. He was a great dentist, great hands. Um, he had a great set of patients. Um, they were very open to the holistic nature of things. A lot of them were very open to the concept of it. And so it wasn't a, a horribly difficult transition, but 
at, at the start of it, you know, I, I didn't have any holistic patients besides the ones that would follow me from the previous several years that I, that I was practicing in holistic dentistry. I probably had, I don't know, 10, 15 patients that, that followed me. Uh, and now I would say, you know, our I, in 2012, so it's been eight years, eight and a half years. Um, I would say that 95% of the patients that are coming in are looking for holistic dentistry. So they're wow. not just searching, you know, we're, we're in Wrigleyville, uh, kind of where the Cubs play. And so we're not, and actually the name of the practice is Wrigleyville Dental. So not looking for dentists in Wrigleyville anymore. Um, they're really looking for holistic dentistry. And we're wow. having patients that are coming in from the neighboring states, from Indiana, from Wisconsin, from St. Louis, um, so they're and from downstate Illinois. So we're, people are traveling anywhere between 45 minutes, hour and a half, three hours to come see us, which is wow. very humbling. And yeah, very, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to, to hear that from patients that they're trusting you with their health or trusting me with their health or my partners to, yeah. to well, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite doctors, um, he actually is a chiropractor who got, he's kind of started in this whole consulting realm. Uh, he's a naturopath. He's out of Pocatello, Idaho. And yeah, he's the same way. He's a, he's a um, destination practice. He's Pocatello, Idaho, right? It's not a thriving metropolis. You don't fly into Pocatello typically. Uh, so you are dedicated when you're going there and you're seeking out something that maybe all the other things that were supposed to have worked or all the traditional things just haven't really giving you the satisfaction or the benefits that you were hoping they would. So people will definitely go. And I, I love too. and I talk a lot about as a business owner, you really need to know who your ideal client is. You have to have a good avatar of who they are. And this is so, I won't say it's so specialized, but it's specialized enough that you know who the type of people you want to be talking to and advertise to. And when they walk in the door, if they're your patient or not, and you're okay with either one. Uh, let me ask you this. Where is your practice winning right now as a company? Like, where do you feel like you're making some good headway? I, I think the results that we're getting with patients has mm. been phenomenal. It's, it's so rewarding that when we get patients in and we hear their list of symptoms, there's some people that come in and they have ringing in the ear, they have a tremor, they're uh, only able to sleep two hours at a time a night. Um, they feel like foggy in the brain, low memory, low energy, um, just body doesn't feel great and we'll figure out what it is. So my, my um, I don't know if you want to call it specialty, but I, I, I really like to focus in what is in the mouth, what can possibly be in the mouth that can adversely affect the rest of the body. And we go through their entire mouth and see what, what it could be. And so we start undoing certain things. And it's amazing to hear stories of, I didn't have the energy to play with my son and now I can. Yeah. Um, I hold up my finger and my, my fingers would all vibrate and now they're calm. I couldn't wow. remember certain things and I had to just feel like I was walking around in a haze and now I have so much more clarity. Um, so hearing these stories of now I can sleep through the night, I don't wake up. I thought waking up to going to the bathroom, waking up several times a night was normal, but now mm. I actually feel rested when I wake up. I don't feel like I'm groggy. I don't need coffee all the time. So hearing those stories really 
kind of makes our team keep going. And yeah, it's going to feel great. It, it makes us all feel really rewarded for what we're doing. Let me ask you about that. That's an interesting thing about the team, right? Because, you know, when you think about the way that you as a doctor were trained, and of course they don't train you on these things and, you, and you're looking for more. And uh, sometimes a team member will have been trained a certain way. They do certain things and there might be a little bit of pushback, even for just normal, right? Forget, forget being a specialty. Just there are team members who are trained how to do a certain way at this office. And now they come to your office and there's a little bit of pushback of how to do that. How have you been able to, because one of the things I talk about is enrolling your team into certain things, whether it be a fundraiser or whether it be, you know, how you're going to uh, greet clients from here on out. How have you been able to enroll your teams or find the right team members for what you're doing? That's an interesting question. I don't think we had too much pushback as far as this is what we do. Um, I think that it, it also takes not just me to train, it, it, takes, it takes a team. So we hire a new assistant, the other assistants are training that assistant. And right. so they're saying, you know, here's how we make ozone in the morning, or here's how Dr. T likes to have her instruments placed throughout the day. And, and Dr. Julie likes her instruments placed this way. And so mm -hmm. there's not really a way of, but I like to place it this way, but that's not the way the doctor likes it. So the doctor right. likes it. So right. I think that having, enrolling the whole team to let that new person know this is how we do something like this is how we do morning huddle and we go through these certain steps and we need to all be on the same page in order to operate efficiently. I think it's great. I think it's really important to make sure everybody's on the same team. Um, I, I guess when I think about it, I think, you know, these, they're trained in school again, a certain way, this is how we do it. And then when they come to you and it's like, oh, we're not going to do it that way, or we're going to investigate a little bit more. You know, I think some people aren't as willing to, to change things up. So it must be really around your leadership of how you've been able to say, well, this is, you know, we want to enroll you or invite you into being, to having a different mindset around this. Just like I'm thinking you probably have to do with some clients too, who aren't necessarily uh, walking in completely bought in but you being able to point out things and show them what the benefits are is going to be the thing that actually enrolls them into those. Yeah. Ideas. I think it's letting them know, them know why. And there you once, go. once you let them know why it's kind of like what I do with my daughter, you can't do this because, and then once right. you understand the why it makes it a little bit easier, like sure. we can't just remove an amalgam. We need to wear a mask and they'll, I don't, I don't, it messes up my hair. I can't wear this mask. Like the, the straps, it, it touches my hair. It's like, well, here's why, because you can get really sick and here's why. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. And, and this is why we use this type of anesthetic because it can promote healing and this can be this, this, and that. So I think that letting them know that they're doing this for their own benefit or for the patient's benefit and everybody who joins the industry, more or less, they're there to help others. And so if they understand that they're doing this to help the patient, to help the others, then I think that it becomes clear of why they need to do things a certain way. You know, I really like that um, because when, as, as I was talking about earlier, you know, with, there are obviously, there are definitely traditional doctors, uh, old school doctors, maybe people who just look at 
maybe a little side-eyed to doing anything other than what they were taught in school or to have an, an, a holistic way of looking at it. And it's not like you're doing this because you haven't figured out your why and what makes sense to you. You're not doing this just because it's a, a nice idea. It's because you actually have seen the transformation that happens in people and how beneficial it can be. And it's not like you're, you're fighting against whatever they're doing in the sense of they just don't know, right? They don't know, or they don't, aren't open up uh, mindset wise to know, or to, to want to know more about it. How have you um, been received within your community, within the, or the uh, dental community itself? Well, I've really been focusing a lot on learning within the more integrative biological holistic dental community. And so the- Is there like an association and stuff for that too? Is there- Yeah, there are several associations. Oh, nice. So there's the the Holistic Dental Association, which actually I'm I'm the president this year of the- Congratulations. President of the association. There's the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. And they're really big on research. Everything mm-hmm. is research-based. Um, Which I think is something you have to have. I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's kind of where I was going with that. Is I could see, like, again, you're not just going, hey, here's a good idea, and I'm just going to do that. You're actually looking at the data behind it. And as scientists, as, as, as doctors, to be able to use that as not the argument, but the, the why, again, going back to the why, right? Why am I doing this? Well, because the data shows if I do this, then this will happen. We already know this has happened, but I can try it with this way and see how the data affects and, and actually I can get into that data. So that's really what I was going for with that research part of it. We, we don't do anything in our office that there isn't published peer-reviewed research saying that there is some truth to that or there is truth to that. So there's, we don't do anything um, that's even, even, energy medicine, even though there's definite truth to that, we don't, we don't even do, we, we don't go that way because I think that uh, we can get into trouble. And so we don't like to step on the boundaries of um, getting into any type of legal issues. We want to stay within the realm of dentistry and everything that is in the literature, that is what we focus on. So even though all, a lot of our treatments, so we do everything that traditional dentistry does, and then we add a layer on top of that or several mm-hmm. layers on top of that. So the research definitely shows that there could be improvement if certain steps are taken, if certain methods are done. And that is what we, uh, that's what we practice. I wouldn't have two other associates and, and 14 staff members if we didn't, we weren't, we just, this was just all kind of made up. So right. We wouldn't have patients coming from different states and having the flow that we have. It's, it just, it, it wouldn't, it would just, it would have all crumbled by now if this is something that sure. was just made up. Well, I guess that's where I did a disservice at the beginning of this episode. I should have probably asked you, what is holistic dentistry not? Because I think maybe that's where there's a lot of myths and stuff out there. And I bet some of those things are, uh, you know, damaging to the idea of what you are, because there's some myths or ideas out there. So, so let's dive into that. What is it not? Um, it's, there is no magic potion. There is no fairy dust that we can sprinkle on something. Some holistic dentistry stuff is very hard work. It's very hard work to change your diet. It's very hard work to change your lifestyle. 
So you're still going to have to brush and floss and learn a specific technique that works for you, for your teeth to keep them clean. There's, you can't eat junk and then hope that, you know, your teeth are going to be okay. That just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So holistic dentistry is, is looking at the mouth in reference to the entire body. And so we want, we're not just, you know, doctors that deal with something that's below the nose and above the chin. It's, it's really more comprehensive and we're, we're dealing with the comprehensive system. So looking into all of your body systems, making sure that your, your body works well before we operate sometimes. So I'll work with a lot of physicians and, and um, I love working with the functional medicine community and chiropractors who are very, very knowledgeable. I, I, I work with a lot of my patients, doctors, to make sure that the patient is healthy before we even begin a lot of the treatment. And so it's not a form of um, we're very isolated and we only do treatment by ourselves and we just kind of wish that, I, that, that something, that the, the patient heals. Um, but we, there's a method to it that we, that we use in order to, to help the patient heal. And the patient needs to be involved. And it's not just, we don't like patients coming in and be like, all right, do your magic. It's all, it's all yeah. The partnership, and so they're they're definitely having to be, uh, they have to be witness to it and also participate in their own well being. And that's really important, right? That's make, having them actually know that they are a participant in the healing that needs to take place. And it makes so much sense when you think about it, right? Because the conversation around dentistry in general, in my opinion, anyway, over the last probably twenty years, has really shifted more towards that oral health idea, right? Of mm-hmm. like so much of our health challenges in this country and the world, they all start with the mouth, right? Because what we're putting in our mouth makes a huge difference. And I, I think that the, I was shocked when I first got in this industry probably about 12 years ago, I've gone like, oh, I didn't know you could detect that because of this and, 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 and this all starts there. So it makes sense. I also think that there's this, um, you know, I'll just, I'm always as transparent as I can be on the show. And I remember being at an event once and there was a, a, it was a dental event and this speaker was up on stage. He was actually the person who was hosting this whole event and he made an offhanded, you know, jokey comment about, you know, those people that come in and say, they're just going to suck on coconut oil or whatever to get rid of the cavity or whatever. And he's making fun of them and the audience laughs. And I thought, you know, it, the conversation, it's deeper than that, but the problem is, is because of comments like that, because of uh, maybe some internet wild thing, like right now there's a big thing going around on like TikTok and Instagram where kids are showing, hey, this is how you can close the gap in front of your teeth. And they're using rubber bands and crazy glue and crazy stuff, right? And that's not what we're talking about here. And yet because of comments like that, judgments of that, all of a sudden, it puts a, I think a cloud over what you're really doing here, which is what you've been talking about, the holistic side of things. It's not just oil pooling, right? There's definitely a, a, a use for it. And patients have definitely felt the benefits of that, but it's only for specific people and only for right. certain benefits. And you have to use the right tools for, for the right reasons. And so- we But that's make- just anything, right? Like, yeah. like I, that, that, that was my point is that when I'm hearing that, I'm like, you're making a, a vast judgment about a, a, a whole industry. Here we go with the holistic industry, right? With just one little comment. It's, 
Like I hate using actual floss. I love using floss picks. I hate using actual floss because I do not like my fingers getting purple and me having to figure it, you know, do around my teeth. I don't, I've always hated it, but I love floss picks. What's better? Actual floss. What do I use? The, the toothpick thing is the floss picks, right? Nothing. Right, that's right. And that's what, and, and it's like, sometimes I think people hear one thing and then they throw out the entire baby with the bathwater, right? Type idea instead of going, well, okay, let me find out a little bit more than that and then dive deeper so that I can actually have a better understanding. So I just think there's definitely an uphill battle sometimes. Yeah. Well, there's different levels of tooth cleaning and yeah. if you do picks, great. It's better than nothing. I'd rather have you do the picks than nothing. I'd rather have yeah. you do real floss, the, the string floss, right. than the picks. But if you're not going to do that, great. Let's at least have you do the picks. So I think it's just, and it's the same thing in like the, the whole realm of holisticness. We just have yes. people who are like, you know what? I just want someone to just listen to me and understand what I'm coming through, coming for and, and use some more biocompatible materials. And I was like, great, that's what we can do. And then there's other people that are on the, you know, whole, very holistic spectrum and they require a lot more care and they mm. are very, they want to only drink their own bottled water and they only want some, some things done in a specific way. And, you know, we, we kind of meet people as, as they are, wherever their needs are. And I think that um, customizing care is something that um, should be or is coming to medicine and dentistry in general. Because that's, that's awesome. I, I think so too. And I think it's necessary. I think we're, everybody's getting a little bit more aware, like you mentioned earlier, right? With Google, people are being, there, there's a lot of misinformation out there, but there's also a lot of new discoveries that people will be like, oh, I didn't know that was an option before. Now I can look into that. I have to ask you a question because my wife, when she heard me, I was doing this interview with you, she was like, okay, I got to ask her because she did recently have to go through the whole root canal thing. And so she's still kind of worried about it. She's like, okay, how detrimental is this going to be to me? Because as I mentioned, we are, we, we don't, I mean, we, we don't traditional medicine as well as holistic medicine. And so she was like, ask her just like, what are the concerns that I should be looking out for? What are the red flags? Yeah, so we get that a lot, especially from the the recent movie that came out, Root Cause. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, it no. was on Netflix for a while, and then Netflix pulled it, so it's no longer on Netflix, but you can still watch it. It's called Root Cause. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of concern regarding that. And in traditional dentistry, root canals are wonderful. You get to keep a tooth. It's wonderful. In the holistic sense, there's a few few things that are concerning and that we like to address. And um, as I said before, a tooth is a living, breathing organ. And so when you're doing the root canal, you're removing the nerve supply. And when when you're removing that nerve supply, the the tooth becomes hollow. There's no, they put a material in there, but there's no blood supply. There's no lymphatic drainage. So everything that used to drain the tooth, it used to drain all the toxins that the tooth accumulates, used to bring in a fresh blood supply, that, that exchange no longer happens. And so the, that area around the tooth becomes stagnant. And mm-hmm. stagnant means that there's more bacteria accumulation around that. So there's sure. actually a test that we do. It's a, it's a test that we can sample around the area of a root canal tooth, send it off to a laboratory, and they can give us a, a list of bacteria, pathogens, any, any type of uh, microbes that are around that tooth um, that, that are typically or shouldn't be in that area. And so we've tested many, many teeth and, and have found there's some crazy microbes that, that can be lurking around that tooth. 
the longer that you have that tooth, the longer, the, the more accumulation of those microbes. But with a root canal tooth, one concern is that there's, there's that stagnant bacteria. There could be a bacterial buildup, but I think it also depends on the patient's immune system. And that's the, that's the key part. I'm, I'm not a proponent to remove all root canals or all root canals are wonderful, but I think it depends on what is the situation of the tooth? What is the actual, what did the tooth look like before the root canal was done? Was there an abscess in there or was there already bacteria in there? Or was it, there was no abscess, there's less bacteria in there before the root canal was done. How is the patient's immune system? If the immune system is okay, they're strong. They don't have any autoimmune issues. There are no other real concerning medical issues. Someone can be totally fine. They can have a mouthful of root canals. Their body's going to be able to combat any issues. They're going to be able to deal with it. They can be, their body's able to handle it versus other people who do have autoimmune issues. Um, sure. Certain people who have, you know, all, you know, the gamut could be thyroid or Lyme or mold toxicity. Certain people. Lupus yeah, some people just can't handle more stress. And it's just another stressful issue that the body has to deal with. They have to continuously clean out the microbes and has to deal with certain things that the body just isn't able to deal with. Right. And the body can, the, the immune system can get depressed. And with a depressed immune system, you could get all sorts of health issues. Right. Um, and I think it depends on the immune system as far as, and the body as far as which type of immune system or immu immune issue that the, the body will have or can have with a depressed immune system. So should I have her like just keep an eye on any, I mean, how, how, does she, how does she clean it? How does she make sure that she's taken care of? Is it just a matter of going to a holistic doctor and figuring it out? You know, it's, it's very challenging. It, it, I think it's, it's so uh, individual as far as what to do once you have a root canal. I think the best thing to do is to, to upkeep a good immune system. Okay. Make sure that you, you know, test your blood levels with your doctor. Make sure that you are, are taking whatever the, the, the vitamins, nutrients are that your body needs. Vitamins yeah. is always helpful. Um, just have a very strong immune system and with a strong immune system, you can, you can deal with all sorts of issues. Which, which is so uh, apropos for what's going on in the world right now, right? Like mm -hmm. so many people talking about whether it be vaccines or whatever, and we don't need to go down that road, but it's one of the conversations. It's like, why are we not talking more about how about if we all, you know, checked out our immune system and take the right supplements. And, you know, are we down in the, the zincs and the vitamin C's? Are we working out? Are we, yeah. It's very interesting how we have become more of a society. It's like, okay, what's the pill or the procedure to fix it as opposed to what can I personally do? Where's my personal responsibility to maybe not fix it, but at least have a better uh, a fighting chance. It's so much easier to take a pill than it is to change your diet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very challenging because you, if you eating anti-inflammatory foods, that does wonders. Mm. Uh, taking something like curcumin, garlic, those are all like anti-inflammatory that could help. But if you, you know, have a junk food diet, it's, it, it's, it's not going to be any beneficial to you. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Well, gosh, dang it. Our hours always go by so fast. This is great. This is fascinating to me. Um, let's do this. I know that, so I have uh, six questions that I ask at the very end of every show. They're kind of rapid fire off top of your head. 
Uh, first of all, thank you so much for spending your time with us and giving us your knowledge. I think it's so important to put this message out there. You know, whether you're a listener and you're totally into this, or you're just now getting introduced to this, or you have no idea around it, or you're interested, either all of them are good. We just want to give that information out there. I think the more information out there from reputable sources, from people who really, as you can tell, I think, uh, you know, do they call you Dr. Bernice or Dr. T? Dr. T typically. Dr. T. Okay. So like Dr. T is trying to, you know, put out there into the world and doing so much good. So uh, wherever you fall on that spectrum, just know that this episode, I think was really important for us to really dive into this, this conversation. And so thank you for being here and being a, uh, willing to have that conversation. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So I know that you wanted to offer a challenge to everybody speaking about good immune systems, speaking about like what you're putting into your mouth. And I think this is awesome because it's at a perfect time and Definitely, there'll be people who are listening to this after Halloween, but we got Halloween coming up at the uh, where this recording is happening. And so you had a challenge for everybody. Yes. So we were talking a little bit about um, food, nutrition, and you know the the biggest addiction that we have, bigger than drugs, alcohol, tobacco, is actually sugar. Mm-hmm. It is it is such an addiction. It's so challenging to remove sugar from the diet because sugar is also in First of all, it's in everything, almost everything, but it's in so many, almost every package good. And it is very challenging to even identify what is sugar. So anything, cane sugar, regular sugar, brown sugar, anything that has sugar in it, it, it's sugar. And the body reacts, it's inflammatory as well and causes all sorts of issues that we don't, uh, may not be aware of. And so my challenge is to have a a sugar-free day. And I think it might be fun to do it all together, considering Halloween is coming, that uh, Halloween is typically known for candy and sugar. Um, to have a, 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 a Hall- uh, for Halloween to be our sugar-free day. And so the challenge is to uh, go, on our, go on our Facebook page, um, like us, and then we're going to send a, so you'll be notified. We're going to be sending a, a post on our Halloween challenge. We'll be posting some advice on how to beat the sugar blues, um, alternatives to what you can eat, uh, what you can do to, to combat the, to, to help you along with the sugar free day. And so we're all going to be in this together. Um, no sugar for one day for 24 hours, two hours, uh, I think we can all do it. And the person who's most active and most suggesting of maybe something that you're really craving and we can help you figure out how to beat those, those sugar blues, um, the person who's most active or the person that, that um, act, you know, is uh, kind of um, communicates most to, to us, we will be uh, giving them a free Sonicare toothbrush. Oh, fun. That's awesome. Thank you for that. So your Facebook page is? Uh, Wrigleyville Dental. Wrigleyville Dental. All right. So Wrigley like the gum and the stadium and what else? I don't know. But the, Wrigleyville uh, Dental. Yeah, the Cub Stadium, Wrigleyville. Oh, the Cub Stadium, yeah. So Wrigleyville Dental. That's awesome. Thank you for offering that. Listen, I um so about I'm on, I think I'm on week five now. I actually cut out all soda. I just decided one day I was like, you know, I don't want soda anymore. I'm just gonna I just don't wanna I, I felt myself needing it, right? In the middle of the day and stuff. And 
I do, you know, think some of my clients think I do weird stuff. Like I have my, you know, my glasses that I wear typically when I'm in front of the computer, I have my aura ring. I've got certain things that I really am trying to keep that health going. And I just thought, you know, I'm just gonna give up uh, uh, soda. It hasn't been as difficult as I thought it would be, but my next step is moving towards at least processed sugar will be the first one. Uh, and I'm not a huge like sweets person. I'd much rather have salt all day long. Like give me chips and salsa over a cupcake any day. I'm good. Uh, but, or, or ice cream or anything like that, but yeah, it's, it's a big challenge and we are, we are addicted to it. I think no one's, you know, shocked to hear that. It's just a matter of what are you going to do about it? So thank you for throwing down the gauntlet to us. So let's get on to our, uh, our six questions. We already answered one, but we'll do it again in a moment. Um, what is the number one thing that you wish they would have taught you in graduate school? How to manage staff. I I hear that a lot. Comes to my mind. Yeah, like give us some like psychology one on one would have been good. Of like, how do you deal with people? Yeah, that's awesome. Love it. What is a book that you believe every private practice owner should read? Um, there's a couple. I think the probably the the one that stuck with me the longest is uh, "Good to Great" by Jim Collins. Great book, um, yeah. You know, getting the right people on the bus, getting the wrong people off the bus. That's probably the totally. summary that longest. Yeah, very, very good book. I love that book. I refer to it often. That's great. So speaking of books in my book, The Practice Rx, I talk about that the focus, um, I focus a lot on team culture and team performance as the foundation for business growth. What do you see uh, when you talk to your colleagues, when you're in your study clubs, as the biggest challenge that your colleagues and other private practice owners are facing with their teams and office culture? Staffing issues, uh, hiring staff, keeping staff, because the once you have a staff member leave, you got to retrain. And yeah. retraining in dentistry is, especially if you, it's, it's about three months, I would say, to get somebody fully trained on board. and holistic dentistry for them to learn everything that we did. It's about six months. So wow. keeping staff and keeping them happy and training them and maybe having some type of a, a shorter onboarding, some type of Process. protocol that to be able to onboard short, uh, like in a quicker way. Yeah, absolutely. Getting the right people on the bus again, like you're talking about Jim Collins, like just knowing that we have the right butts in the right seats. It's so important to your culture. So we mentioned that people can reach out on the Facebook page. Um, was there another way that people can reach out if they want to just ask you some more questions around your practice? Sure. They can email us uh, info at WrigleyvilleDental.com. So I-N-F-O at Wrigleyville. So it's W-R-I-G-L-E-Y-V-I-L-L-E.com. Nice. Okay. This is a tough one, but off top of your head, what's the best advice that you feel like you've ever received in life or business? Hmm. You know, there's, there's a amazing YouTube that I keep referring to. It's, um, everybody's free to wear sunscreen by Baz Luhrmann. I've been, I don't know how many hundreds of times I've watched that. And there's multiple pieces of advice that I always, uh, take with me. Um, I guess one, one piece recently that, that has resonated with me is that life is a marathon and pace yourself. Cause I always try to do way too much, try to cram. That's in so weird. 
you're overachiever that's weird that's that's no. that's, so, that's so unlike your profession that's that's not it's the reason why i have a business so i get it yep. uh okay i have to ask though uh, what age range do you fall in are you between 20 and 30 30 and 40 30 and 40 because everybody's free to wear sunscreen was out when i was in high school so i'm just saying that's sad to me I've, i mean i've listened to that probably for the last at least 15 years 20 years i've it's, it's been probably, around for that long. Yeah, it probably whenever I, and you know what? Recently I looked at it and the video changed. So they have a, a new video now. Oh, uh, interesting. So when somebody kind of re remake the video, but. That's so funny. That's yeah. so funny. Talk about flashback. Referencing it, there's this video. Like, it's like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's amazing. It's like that moment. This is going to show my geekiness. It's that moment in uh, Captain America Civil War when, Spider-Man's like, hey, remember that really old movie, Return of the or Empire Strikes Back? It's like, yeah, that's that's showing our age. Uh, okay, last question is, what is the best resource or tool that you have used to grow your practice? Mm, I would say having um, meetings with my staff, like quarterly, yearly meetings with staff. Mm -hmm. It's gotten me to understand where they're coming from, figure out any wrinkles in our system. Um, I think they always appreciate meeting with me one-on-one. -on -one. And when we have an amazing staff, we have a successful uh, business. Has a 100%. Successful practice. So when the staff doesn't work, the practice, the practice stinks. Yeah. Uh, the patient goes down the tubes, like there, it, it just doesn't work well. So having uh, the staff function as a team, uh, having them be happy, they just, it tr gets transferred all to the patients. Um, 100%. That track of our KPIs, that definitely helps. We keep track of it monthly. And we have a lot of metrics that we use. So that's just smart. having a pulse on our business. Having the right team, giving them the right messages, uh, having the right meetings and following those KPIs, tracking those KPIs, it's so important. Well, gosh, again, thank you so much, Bernice, for being here and for sharing this information with us. Um, I just, I, I, I just love the fact that we get to bring really dynamic and, and awesome people to the floor. I always say, when I stand up on stage and I talk to people, I say, you know, you're the best in the world at what you do. And you really have shown that today. So I really, really appreciate that. Thank you for being here. Awesome, everybody. Thank you again for being uh, present at another Propener podcast. As always, we're trying to bring you the best practices. And our goal here is to help you be more proactive, more productive, and more profitable in all areas of your life and business. We'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.